Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. Welcome to Courage to Overcome with your host, Cheryl Jennings. Each week, Cheryl will feature and discuss the many challenges of those living with disabilities, along with the various issues that are faced by their families that are caring for them. So now, please welcome the host of Courage to Overcome, Cheryl Jennings. Welcome to tonight's show. This is Courage to Overcome, and I'm Cheryl Jennings, your host. And as always, I am very delighted to have you listen in to another program to find out a little bit more of how you can have courage in your life, have the hope that you need to go ahead and to push forward when you run up against, sometimes it feels like a brick wall, but when you come up on those challenges that make it so difficult for you to find the courage to just push on through. I have often said to people that, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong in our lives that when we have things that are going great, we really need to stop and find a way to show gratefulness. Thank God for the things that go right. Because if you are living in the world where you have electricity and running water, you are way ahead of millions of people in our world. And many people live below the poverty line, and they say that there are like 2.7 billion people who cannot even have clean cooking facilities. And over 790 million do not have running water. That's 11% of our world's population. And if you start thinking about how many people that you know that have different kinds of diseases, things that go wrong, and you are not experiencing that, you need to be so grateful that you are living in a way that you are able to move forward with ease instead of having something really hard. I know people often get into the slumps, and I do too sometimes, where you just feel like this is really a hard day. This weekend has been a hard weekend because I've had somebody work on my computer who seemed to mess up a lot of things, and I depend on that computer to go right. But it's not a crisis. It is not something that we can't get past. And I feel like sometimes there are people who are just feeling so down and out about things that 
don't make a lot of difference in our lives. There are people who are, for various reasons, having to have someone else take care of every need they have. They have they require someone else to bathe them, to feed them, or to take care of every need. And we focus on a lot of those issues and how can we help caregivers to have hope and to find a little humor sometimes. And it's not always easy to do that, but there are so many illustrations from people who can come up with an, an inspirational phrase that can help you push through. But one of my favorite people in life was Irma Bombeck. And she often said, if life is a bowl of cherries, why am I living in the pits? And she had a way of turning a phrase that would make you just feel so happy and to have a smile on her face. And I'd like for us to focus on that. Tonight, I have a very special guest, Christopher, or I call you Chris Salem. He is a professional speaker. He te teaches other people how to overcome some of the challenges that they face and how to have success in their lives. And I'm very pleased that he's willing to come on and we're going to talk a little bit about his life and some of the challenges that he faced and let him tell us a little bit about how he overcame some of the struggles that he faced. You see, there isn't anyone who is exempt from having some kind of an issue they have to overcome in life. We have people that we love that are one day here and the next day they're not. We have children that are born with different kinds of disabilities or limitations. And so we, we need to find a way to say, I'm up to the challenge. I can do this. Lately, I've been answering a lot of questions on a site called Cura. And people are asking me a lot of questions about having a child with cerebral palsy. And they want to know, how did you do this? And I realize that that's the same question most people ask when they're faced with any kind of a disability, an illness. It could be something terminal. It could happen to you or it could happen to someone that you love. Life is just going to be that way as long as we are on this earth. And so when we understand that life will be challenging, we will have some issues to deal with, then it shouldn't surprise us when we actually have, we come up against something that we have to work through. Most people at some time or another are going to lose a job, gonna struggle with finances, or they're going to have to deal with challenges that are really gonna be hard for them. But I'm just here to say, as someone who has lived through and had to face a lot of challenges in my own life, you too can do these things. And it doesn't mean that every day is a great day. It just means that you are a blessed person that you can say, I can do this. I will push through. I will not give up on taking care of someone who depends on me. And tonight, I want to ask Chris some of the things that he teaches people and how he came through his own uh, experiences that were very difficult. And I'm not going to get into I'm going to let him tell us whatever he wants to tonight. So I just want to say welcome to our show, Chris. I appreciate you being there tonight. Cheryl, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate it. And I know um, you were just so finishing up with a, a son watching the ball game. 
That's wonderful. Yes, absolutely. We just uh, finished basketball practice tonight, and uh, but I uh, was definitely looking forward to being on the show tonight. Well, I know that there are so many things about your life. I can just read about you, but I just would like for you to tell our folks a little bit about how you got started and and some of the challenges that you might have faced either in personal life or in business that made you feel like I'm going to push through and then you're able to turn around and help other people become successful. Tell us just a little bit about your uh, about your own life. Sure. Well, just to clarify to let people know what I do and then I could show people you know how this all came about. I I help uh, I help uh, entrepreneurs, business leaders, sales professionals, and people across the board to have sustainable success at the next level uh, by addressing uh, the root cause to their limited beliefs or mindset barriers. So I, I show people how they can you know, live and operate their lives and business in the solution rather than manage the problem. But that being said, everything that I, I, sh- I teach people and mentor on comes from personal experience. So I grew up in a family uh, with a younger brother, a couple years younger. I had two parents that were had a great worth ethic. And my father, uh, from the time we were very small, I would say probably by fifth grade, he had been determined that he wanted to be successful. He wanted to go out and whatever it took to uh, be able to achieve the things he never had when he was a child. He grew up poor. And his desire was to, you know, make money, eventually start his own business and take it to another level. With that being said, uh, my father was far and few between in my life in terms of being there for key moments when fathers and sons should be together, uh, you know, at ball games and certain milestones when you're, you're going through grade school into uh, middle school. Uh, but unfortunately, these things carried on even to high school. So my dad wasn't president my uh, high school graduation. He wasn't there at my college graduation. And again, not because he didn't want to, it was just because of unforeseen things going on with work. But, you know, my father was just technically not there and he was emotionally unavailable. And when he was, there were times of verbal abuse, emotional abuse. And as a result of it, you know, I didn't understand at the time, but I grew up as a teenager going into my college years, a very angry man. And the repercussions of that also, of that neglect or not having that connection that a son and a father, you know, or son desires to have with his father, you know, led me down a trail of not knowing who I was, uh, trying to search for, you know, who I was and really coming up empty. Uh, My brother had a tougher road getting involved in drugs and alcohol at a young age, uh, both well, I was both into it as well, uh, but my brother really succumbed to uh, drug addiction. I also, and to this day, is still a recovering drug addict. Uh, myself, I, I had battled uh, drugs and alcohol, not to the degree of my brother, but it was all in efforts to mask the anger that I grew up not having that connection and not knowing where it came from. And it was that anger that I carried around me day in, day out, and and there would be certain things that would trigger the anger. You know, it could be somebody cutting me off in traffic or somebody stepping in front of me in line 
whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. it was these little things that would just kind of just stir up the anger inside of me. But the anger went down to the root, which was back to my father. Didn't know it at the time. But that being said, you know, it just led to a lot of unhealthy behaviors, uh, lack of discipline in many areas that didn't serve my well-being. And I had two near-death experiences from alcohol poisoning. But it really took my father being diagnosed with cancer at the age of 56 that I hit my rock bottom. And I knew at that point I had to make amends. And, And thank God I was able to do that before he passed on at 56. But my dad's root cause was he had the same issue that I had with him. He had anger towards his father because his father was neglectful, uh, did not connect with him. He was the black sheep of the family. And my father didn't know how to be the father I desired him to be. I didn't know this at the time. But when I I decided that I wanted to make amends, I knew I I needed it at that time to take responsibility for the first time in my life that I couldn't blame anybody else and point the finger at anybody else like I did in the past. You know, see what what was going on during that time when I grew up with this anger was that I would always pick bosses or business partners or people that I worked with or even girlfriends that would end up being like my father to disappoint me so I can get angry over and over and over again. So while I, it, you know, it, with people, we don't want to, obviously we don't, we can't control what, the, what life throws at us, but there are certain times where we do play a part in creating these experiences that come from the root cause and from managing your life in the problem rather than the solution. A lot of times we're oblivious to it because unconsciously we're putting out energy that creates, you know, different situations, but yields the same type of result or feeling. So I knew at that point I had to take responsibility. I knew I played a part in it. Couldn't point the finger at anybody. So I got involved in a 12-step program and Eastern meditation. And I was able to use a combination of both to come up with a process that allowed me to heal myself over time. And this is the process that I use today to teach people how to go about resolving their root cause to limited beliefs or mindset barriers so they can then eradicate the problem at the source and then adopt the solution to align with their purpose going forward. So flash forward, uh, the types of things that I did to do go, go, go through this process were several things, but I'll cover the three that are most important. One, I became aware I wasn't where I wanted to be. I accepted where I was and made a commitment to embrace the process. The process consisted of of getting involved in an organizational task that would get my mindset molded in the right direction. That was making my bed every morning. I wasn't in the military. I was not a neat freak in any way. I just knew that if I had the ability to make my bed every morning, that became a consistent habit. That would get my mindset working in a positive way to take on priorities that really matter and that I would be laser focused in the moment during that process. Second, I began to meditate very early in the morning, about 15, 20 minutes a day. Third, I would then journal and write down immediately what came to mind following the meditation and more importantly, how I felt. And this would change day to day. But see, with that process, I was able to look back at myself like I was a third person looking at myself to identify the trends that led to my problems. 
that was because my unconscious or subconscious mind was now aligning with my conscious mindset to reveal the problem. So it became much clearer that my father was the root cause. And while I loved him, there were certain things that obviously had a negative impact on my development and my need for validation from others. And the only way that I was going to be able to eradicate that problem before was to forgive him, but not just only for him, but also for myself, most importantly. So this is what uh, was a, a three-step process. Well, there's seven steps, but these are the three most important steps of this process. Wow. You brought up some very interesting things that I want to go back and ask you about in just a moment. We're going to need to take a short break. And when we come back, we will be anxious to hear some more about Chris Salem. I'm thankful you're here with us tonight. We'll be back in just a moment. Certified professional coach Pamela Reeves can help you with your relationships. Motivational and image coaching are just some of the ways she can help you enhance all aspects of your life. Her book, Is It Love or Merely a Sick Attachment?, helps readers clearly distinguish healthy, loving relationships from toxic ones. Ms. Reeves has put her words into action through Ray of Hope Kenya, an international initiative that provides outreach to victims of abusive relationships there with the goal of helping them rebuild their lives and the tools to avoid abuse. Ms. Reeves operates various business interest through her umbrella network, Nella LLC, and credits her success to her diverse work experience. Whatever your goals, whether striking a balance, reinventing your image, or simply lifting your lifestyle, Pamela Reeves will help you achieve them. Your life, your call. Dial 410-902-5715 or email Pamela at pamreg01 at verizon.net. She's also on the web at pamreeves.com and on Twitter at Pamela underscore Reeves. America is out of control. Today's capitalism and the approach to money is in fact the symptom of a more widespread pattern of excessive behavior. In his book, The Culture of Excess, How America Lost Self-Control and Why We Need to Redefine Success, clinical psychologist Dr. Jay Slosar portrays an America where excess fuels the drive to succeed. Dr. Slosar examines the cultural factors that lead to excess ranging from obesity to fraud to pervasive budget deficits. His book examines the powerful economic and social factors and their impact on our psychological well-being. Dr. Slosar explores the psychological impact of increasing narcissism, perfectionism, self-destruction, and our identity confusion. He offers recommendations for helping Generation Me become Generation We. Those who resist Slosar's message will want to avoid his discussion of regulation and his recent message that at this point, democracy must be more important than today's capitalism. Get his book now online or by visiting thecultureofexcess.com. Well, I am so glad that you're here with us tonight because I think we're going to address some problems that we haven't talked about yet. And if you look at some of the issues that are very difficult for families, when they have maybe a child, they were expecting to be healthy and they're born with all kinds of issues, or they think they're fine one day and go to a hospital. And I've met people who were working one day, CEOs of a job, and all of a sudden got called to places like a hospital. And this one I'm thinking of right now was called to Mayo Clinic and told your child needs you to be home to take care of them. They're not going to live very long. And this woman that I got to meet actually told me, she said when she got that 
word to go to Mayo Clinic and find out how bad her own child's health was and that she'd need to be there. She never walked back into the office again. And she loved her job. But because it was very difficult for her to even feel like she was capable of being able to take care of a child that was that sick, she said, I resorted to drugs and alcohol. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit as to how this affects people in different ways. I've read how some people say I absolutely would have to give my child up if they had any kind of disabilities. I just don't think I can handle it. And it could go back to exactly what you were talking about with your father when you said that there's anger back there that is not being dealt with. And the only way to deal with the anger of having a child that's born with some kind of issues is to numb the mind, to not feel the pain. So I'd like for you to talk about that just a little bit. For people who may be struggling and not really realizing that it's the anger that they're trying to cover up or they feel guilty about. And what is, what are your thoughts about this, Chris? Talk about this just a little bit. You brought up sure. some great things. Well. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, there, there, there's the root cause, which is the source of why people live and operate their lives managing the problem. And the root cause, again, is always usually a parent, either a mother or father or some type of authoritative figure that had impact on you when you were young. That being said, it doesn't have to be something traumatic. It could be something very subtle. It could be something that the parent was a wonderful parent, but for, for some reason, some certain things that were done in the relationship may have been taken the wrong way, even though consciously they're not aware of it. Subconsciously it did that, you know, caused certain issues or, or sticking points in one's life, whether with their well-being, with their business or relationships, whatever the case may be. So that being said that, you know, when, when things can lead to any type of drug abuse, alcohol, gambling, sex, food, any type of addiction, it's usually that people are using this to, to escape. It's to numb the true addiction, and it could be, uh, could be one or several of different negative emotions. Uh, typically with men, it typically tends to be anger. It could be overtly angry or passively angry. Again, some people are passively angry and don't even realize they're angry. There's uh, shame and guilt, Right. And they can go hand in hand with anger. Right. Shame and guilt is often found in women. Uh, then you look at jealousy and envy. Again, those could be something that are could be experienced with the parent. A lot of times it's with a sibling, but yet it can be also with the parent. So that being said, it could be any combination thereof. What happens is with these negative emotions, we subconsciously and a lot of times have a role with energy because we're all energy and creating on some level new situations to reinforce that, that feeling over and over and over again. So that was the story of my life growing up before I was able to really be clear, coming from a clear mindset, using mindfulness, really understand what I was doing and what my role is. That in order to operate from the solution, I needed to eradicate the problem which was the, the root cause to which was my father, and that was tied to you know 
being overtly angry. So, so the thing I would say is that when you're, if you're struggling with some type of an addiction, whether it be drugs, alcohol, or whatever the case may be, yes, the first step is to obviously be, you know, you want to make sure you're genetically weaned off, right? Or, or biologically, you know, because you could, you could have certain, your body might, you know, feel like it has to have the substance. But next is really to address the real addiction, and that's the emotion. That's the emotion that really leads to why you did what you did. And so without doing that, you're just now managing the problem. You may be sober where you've refrained from the substance, but you're still struggling with the problem and still managing it by obviously dealing with, with with the negative emotions, that you're not able to handle it in a way that's, you know, in a healthy way. So the key is, is that, you know, the steps that I talked about earlier is to be aware of that, to be accept where you're at and to, you know, commit to embracing the process to eradicate the problem at the root root. So this is a thing that, you know, you have to go through this process, you know, with the, the organizational task, the meditation, the journaling, other types of things too, that will better serve you to eliminate the problem and then to come find the solution, because the solution is also found in the same spot using the same process to move forward. And again, this is something that doesn't happen overnight. It can take uh, some time, and it really varies with, within each individual. Well, let me ask you a question. You have already, I've already found out that you really want to be a great dad with your your son by showing up, being there for the practice being there for ball games doing the things that you missed out on growing up what makes people uh actually turn back and do the same thing sometimes have they just not worked through like you're saying they haven't worked through the problem yet so they can't get to a solution well here's the thing if i if i were still managing the problem in my life let's say that my you know my son was born at the time where I was still in the problem, not in the solution. Uh, there was probably a great percentage I would have done the same thing that my dad did to me. Now, see, at the time, as a kid, you just thought, hey, my dad doesn't want, has no interest in hanging around with me. He'd rather be at work. He'd rather be doing other things that serve him. He doesn't really doesn't find my brother and I to be too important to hang around with or, or spend time with. But see, that's how a child looks at it. But in reality, my dad did, wasn't doing anything malicious. He wasn't doing it because he didn't know how. He was caught up in his own root cause, his own emotional baggage. And I would have been the same way with my son, repeating the pattern over and over and over again. So the fact that I spend time with my son, I'd strike that balance. You know, I could go from one extreme to the other. I might, you know, if I'm spending too much time with my son and neglecting other things in my life, with my relationship with my wife, my business, then that's, that's one extreme to the other. But with that being said, you got to find that balance. So by operating the solution, I've been able to identify and recognize that, that I spend that appropriate time, quality time with my son. So he feels nurtured and we have that connection that he doesn't feel that insecurity or that lack of self-image or confidence constantly seeking validation. Well, and you know, there are so many women that have a father that 
is abusive or neglectful and they will turn around and marry someone that has the same tendencies. And it's always been a mystery to many people, you know, why would this happen if they saw how bad it was or if they even left someone and went back to them after they'd been abused. I know one of the major problems that our police have to be aware of is when they get into a situation, they're called into a home because there's a dispute within the home. And then sometimes they gang up and turn on the other person that's coming to help the police. And it doesn't make sense sometimes to see these things happen, but it's probably a lot of what you're talking about that they've never dealt with the real problem. They haven't gotten past repeating what they've gone or already had in their own lives. So would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, or, it could have been, you, you know, the father was abusive. The mother was uh, very passive, really just kind of went along, didn't really stand up uh, to her husband, didn't stand up for her children when he acted inappropriately. So what ends up happening is that the daughter ends up, even though not liking the father and, and on some level saying, I'm going to meet somebody that's completely the opposite of him, but in reality ends up marrying the same type of man. Because unconsciously, that's all she knows. And that, while she doesn't like it, because that's all she knows, she feels comfortable with it on some level. And the fact that, that if I, if I can just love this man enough, he'll change. And that doesn't work. That's codependency. And this is why codependency is often toxic and usually leads to the, uh, the breakup of the relationship. Uh, or could lead to, you know, really just really overall bad well-being, you know, uh, that it's not good for anybody. Well, and I've seen that with families that have a special needs child, how they they struggle so much to try to deal with it that it's over 90% will end in divorce. And a lot of it, though, can go back and be helped if they could seek help early because some of it's just communication breakdown. You know, they look at each other and they think, well, he doesn't grieve like mm-hmm. I do. And he thinks, well, she doesn't care that I need to go to work. And so there's a lot of miscommunication there. That's another topic. And we need to take another break. And I'm loving getting to visit with you. But we'll come back in just a moment and we'll pick up where we're leaving off right now. For over 50 years, Evelyn Stapula has been a loving advocate for people with disabilities throughout the state of Pennsylvania. President and founder of Big Heart Bridges, her organization actively campaigns for legislation and support of civil liberties that meet the needs of disabled individuals with housing, transportation, and employment. Ms. Stapula has joined forces with a variety of esteemed organizations that advocate for the disabled. She serves on the board of the United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh and the Governor's Cabinet and Advisory Committee for People with Disabilities, and she is a consultant for the Pennsylvania Governor's Conference for Women. Her many efforts have led to the implementation of a transportation program for the disabled with the Access Paratransit System of Allegheny County. Evelyn Stapoulis strives daily to serve the interests of the disabled, to protect their freedoms, and enable them to live normal public lifestyles. To learn more, please call 412-491-2605 or email Evelyn at ers92645 at verizon.net. 
Attorney Renee Marie Smith is changing the way we sell real estate. She wrote a series of books called My Short Sale Guru Guides for all real estate practitioners. Whether you're a homeowner wanting to understand the process, an agent who has been handling short sales for years, or an industry analyst wanting to know how short sales impact your business, Renee uses her vast real estate experience to take a comprehensive look at the recent market phenomena while relaying it in an easy-to-understand format. Through her company, Smith Title Services, Renee has counseled thousands of short sale participants and processed in excess of a thousand short sales. Her knowledge is transformational for real estate professionals and laymen alike, and her live presentations provide people the opportunity to ask specific questions about their issues. Buy her books and schedule her to speak at your next event. Visit www.smithtitleservices.com or call 305-705-3428 or email her at renee at smithtitleservices.com. Isn't it time to sell your property today? Learn the My Short Sale Guru Okay, this has been really interesting with Chris Salem tonight, being able to help us break through some of the issues that can happen in a family, whether or not you have someone that you need to care for. It can just happen because of relationships that are not right, something goes wrong, or we can misunderstand each other. Just like he mentioned, you know, his father probably wasn't even aware how he felt he was dealing with his own life and doing what he saw his father do. So somewhere in here, we need to break some of the cycles and be able to learn how to help ourselves to get out of behaviors that are not good for us and not good for those that we're around. And Chris, you brought up some really interesting things about how you would choose the same kind of business situations or uh, the same kind of people. That happens a lot. But I'd like to shift this just a little bit and let's talk about how we can help families who are caregivers because many they feel so overwhelmed and burned out. And I mentioned, I think it was last week even, that 63% of the caregivers will actually die before the person they're being that they are caring for. So we want to stop some of these things. We want to help people understand their own issues, their emotions, how to help themselves when they come up against a problem that they really need to get help for. And it could be for themselves, or it could be financial, it could be resources, it could be learning how to talk to a doctor or therapist or someone that they just don't seem to communicate well with. But those are very general problems that I see happening, and they repeat themselves enough that I like to address some of the things that can help those who are caring for another person how we can help them if they might have lived in, in this kind of situation, that they don't have to go back there and to pick up some of the bad habits that maybe they saw growing up and they didn't have the good treatment that they are capable of giving to someone that they really love and want to take care of. So that's kind of a broad general way of approaching this, but let's talk a little bit about caregivers and what are some suggestions you might have for someone that is, maybe struggling, and they don't really know why they're struggling so much about caregiving. Do you have some suggestions sure. well, for that? Again, you know, with caregiving, again, it could be, a, you know, a, a special needs child or a person, uh, or it doesn't have to be. It's a lot of times, again, it's something that the the person has learned growing up because maybe they saw that in their with their mother or it could have been the father as well, right. but usually in this case the mother. But what happens is, is that because these that this person ends up always putting the child 
for the person they're taking care of first. And they neglect their own, like, their needs. So oftentimes their wellness is off-balanced. It leads to, you know, physical, uh, an unbalance with their physical wellness, their emotional wellness. Uh, can also lead to their spiritual wellness being off-balance. Uh, could lead to being financially stressed, uh, many different things. And there's eight pillars of wellness. And when any of those are unbalanced, it really does not serve us. And then it eventually leads to burnout. And and over long term, if really out of balance, can lead to death. So the thing is, is what a lot of times caregivers don't realize is that giving too much care Again, it depends on the situation because some people, obviously, they have to. You know, it can be a person that can't walk, can't take care of themselves at all. But in the case, if they just give too, give too much of themselves and they're always aiming to please that person, that is not healthy. So, you know, the key is is to do whatever is possible in the best situation to empower them. So even if it's a special needs child, if there's any way that you can, you know, empower them within the best of their capability to do something on their own by being an example rather than just doing it for them, that goes a long way. And now you're coming from empathy and kindness, not aiming to please or enable. Now, again, you know, you, you, you've, I've seen this countless times before. You'll see a mother that will dedicate her whole life to taking care of her kids and neglect her own health. She may be 50 pounds overweight, uh, is not really in, in good health. Now, what ends up happening is, while she thinks she's doing, she sacrificed herself to really put her children's needs first, in the long run, actually, it works against her because those children learn from what they see. And they often end up also being unhealthy or maybe overweight because of what they saw the mom do. Now, again, it's, a lot of times it, they're unconscious to it, but they just, again, are able to just kind of repeat those patterns. Or it could be a case where they take advantage of other people. They seek out people that are going to be submissive or codependent that will take care of them. So, again, the key is to strike balance, to always put yourself First, that doesn't mean that you're selfish and doing something that is selfish. You're doing, but doing something that actually nurtures yourself, that takes care of your overall well-being. Because in the long run, you're actually being an example, empowering someone to do the same. And again, even if it's a special needs child, and on some level that they're capable of doing something on their own, you want to be, you want to encourage them. And be an example that, you know, that they think they can do it. And this is going to go a long way of helping to keep the balance with what you do for them as well as for yourself and keeping your balance in check. It's never going to be perfect, but that you do the best to keep that balance in check. So, again, it's, it's okay to be to serve yourself first in a positive way that will then impact the person you're taking care of long-term for the better. You know, those are some great points that you're making too, because many times, even as a mother, you don't realize how you can make your children be more dependent on you instead of being self-sufficient. And we have a child that has um, 
cerebral palsy, and he has it severe enough that he has to be totally cared for. But even then, we try to wait. And this was something when he was young that our teachers would help us with. But to not just give him a drink of milk or say, do you want milk? And let them say yes or no. But to wait, no matter how hard it was for him to say, I want milk. And then to have him try to do that to show you've got to do something. You don't just you don't just hand out everything that you know they need if you can help them develop a little bit of language. Now he's not a very he's not able to communicate very much, but when he can do those things for himself, it's such a pleasure to hear him say something and to offer words because he's he's been very limited in the words. And I think one reason going back in his past, too, was that uh, we were told this by one of his teachers one time, that people that would come by, say, at church and go, hi, Blake, but they wouldn't wait for him to say hi back because they weren't sure if he was going to be able to. And by the time they walked down a, you know, a hallway, he might say hi, and they didn't hear it. And you get where you don't want to try to talk if somebody's not going to stay there and listen to you say something. And so that's just one of the ways that what you're talking about is so true. Help them be able to do anything they can for themselves. And I know that I was living around him to the point that my health did break down when he was younger because nobody told us you know, take care of yourself. It was just, there was always a need, a bigger need and a bigger need. (laughs) And then with other children and then taking in, you know, more family. When, when my father-in-law passed away, we took in my mother-in-law and my body just said, I can't do this. And I wish I had known then what I learned later. And that's what makes me passionate about helping caregivers learn what you're just saying, take care of yourself. That is not selfish you need to help other people that you're taking care of to do as much as they can for themselves because you are setting that example. That's a great point that you're, you're talking about. What are some other things that you can think of that help families to maybe keep balance in the relationship with, if you do have a special needs child and maybe another one that's not or several others that are not, how do you keep them from feeling jealousy among the siblings? Because that's another problem that I see a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always find that communication is most is very important, you know, to have everybody be able to communicate, you know, either whether how you feel or what's going on and, you know, to keep that open channel because it, it doesn't matter if it's, a, you know, an intimate relationship between a husband and wife or it's, between uh, a parent and a child or siblings, there's got to be that communication and, and, and to set time to really talk to one another and really understand each other. So those are the things that are, you know, play an important role in helping to offset any kind of, you know, further, you know, balance issues with uh, any of those eight pillars. Because again, with one becomes unbalanced, begins to affect the other, and that feeds off to the unbalance of something else and so forth. So the key is is to constantly be aware and always be looking for ways to do that. That may mean getting the family together at the dinner table 
you know, and not, you know, just you know, buried in their phones while they're eating dinner. That, you know, that, that you set right. time to uh-huh. actually talk to one another and, you know, set certain time frames with your children. And, you know, nowadays it's, you know, very easy to let kids just go off on their own and just, you know, kind of drift off in a, in a video game or their iPad, you know. So the, the thing is, is to really budget time for that and to really do everything possible to form interdependent relationships where you do things together and you help other people, but they're, but you're also empower them to help themselves. Because if you expect that they're going to be able to do that with you and other people in their lives as they grow older, this is your children, it, it, usually they're going to learn that in, in, a, in a healthy, interdependent family. Uh, not too independent right. and obviously right. not codependent. So those would be some of the things that I would you know, look for to, you know, let families know that no matter where they are right now, they, they, can, they can move forward to, to forge interdependent relationships and to, by, you know, really learning how to communicate with one another. That's right. That is such a good point. And, um, you know, I appreciate you bringing up some of those things, like even the codependency, you know, because that's a real problem for people to not enable another person to continue bad behaviors. If it's drugs, alcohol, whatever, taking it, making excuses when they don't show up for work or when they don't go to school or whatever it is, you, you need to let people learn to be responsible for themselves. And that's something that needs to be taught early on. I've often shared with young moms that when you go in, you step in for every little argument or problem that a child has, they come crying, they don't want to talk to somebody or whatever. If you step in and solve every issue, you have just crippled your child for life. They don't learn how to work through a problem or work through a relationship. And it takes give and take. But, you know, I really am a strong believer that many children have been crippled by parents, helicopter parents or stepping in too much you know, to take care of issues that their child can do no wrong. We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, I'm going to get your pencil and paper ready, folks, because when he comes back, he's going to tell us how you can get in touch with him or go to his website and be able to learn some more things from Chris Salem. We'll be back in just a moment. Do you battle with weight loss? There is a solution. Founder of Weight No More Consulting, Deborah Simons, can help you lose weight safely and effectively through weight loss surgery. I know. I had the surgery two years ago, and I am 135 pounds lighter and medication-free. This full-service weight loss center caters to your every need as you navigate to a healthy weight following surgery. Servicing all of Canada, Weight No More Consulting takes pride in its compassionate care and guides you through each step before and after surgery. Starting with informational meetings, Weight No More Consulting educates each potential client before they decide to have surgery on the health risks of obesity and the various weight loss surgeries available. After surgery, Weight No More Consulting provides a solid support system with ongoing meetings to ensure continued success. Deborah Simons and Weight No More Consulting are committed to promoting your health and wellness through maintaining a healthy weight for life. 
WikiWags brings harmony back into your home for male dogs and their owners. Inventor and entrepreneur Linda Jangula has created the disposable doggy diaper wraps made with the male dog in mind. The built-in wicking ability prevents rashing and other potential health issues for your dog. Each wrap comes in four sizes and has dual reattachable magic tabs for easy adjustments. And each size has a 7-inch logo strip for adjustability. So they are comfortable and easy to use. No more fuss, just leave the mess to us. Whether you're in or out, your dog will be free to run about. Stop cleaning and start enjoying your home, and you can even leave your dog alone. To order your WikiWags, visit wikiwags.com, or to find out where to buy WikiWags in your town, visit mywikiwags.com and start enjoying having man's best friend around. All right. Well, one of the things that I asked Chris if he would do is to go ahead and tell the eight pillars, and then I'll have another question for him. So go ahead and tell us real quickly about that. Yeah. So, so we don't leave our I, audience I, I, sure I should have <laughs> mentioned that. But uh, yes, the eight pillars of wellness are going to be, again, emotional wellness, physical wellness, spiritual wellness, financial wellness, occupational wellness. There's uh, uh, intellectual wellness environmental wellness, and then social wellness. So when any of those are out of balance, they will affect one another. Social wellness is going to talk about your relationship not only with yourself, but also with others. That's where you have interdependent, independent, and codependency. And all the, the environmental would mean, you know, how your environment is, where you live your life, and where you work in your business. If it's cluttered, most likely you have a cluttered, you know, your rest of your life is cluttered. You think, uh, you don't think clearly. Uh, You're not decisive. You don't follow through. You procrastinate. So these are the things that, you know, have to be in balance in order to really help operate with the solution rather than manage the problem. Those are great. And I appreciate you doing that because a lot of times uh, I've heard speakers talk about uh, fewer pillars more pillars, and so I like to be able to just lay it out there so people know what you're talking about. Now, I do want you to tell people how they can reach your site and tell them what books you've got out there. Sure. The, uh, the best place to, you know, you can, you can reach me is at my website at www.christopher, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R, Salem, S-A-L-E-M is in Mary, Com. And also there you can find uh, my books, which are also available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. That is uh, Master the Art of, or excuse me, Master Your Inner Critic, Resolve the Root Cause, Create Prosperity, uh, with international bestseller in November of 2016. And also I uh, co- co- contributed to a book with Jack Canfield, Mastering the Art of Success, that won an award back in last year, July of 2017. So those would be the two core books uh, where people could find me. And again, the website is the best place to look me up to find out more information in in terms of uh, what we've talked about tonight and different ways and ideas to operate within the solution rather than manage the problem. Well, those are great. And I appreciate you giving the site that they can go to because 
when you go to someone's site, you can usually reach them with a message or find a, a link that you can actually go and find these books, which is very helpful because sometimes people don't write fast enough to get all of that information. And we certainly want them to be able to get more information that would help them in their own life. Now, one of the things I do want to mention is that each week we have different subjects that we talk about on Courage to Overcome. And tonight we've addressed some issues that we have not talked about before, about some of the problems that Chris had faced and how he's now out there helping other people. And I'll mention this because sometimes people like to live in their misery, but your misery can become your mission, your ministry in life to help you find how did you succeed? How did you overcome these issues that are in your own life? Everyone has something that they have to deal with. And just like he's mentioned in the eight pillars, no one's going to have a perfect eight pillar at all times. There's going to be something that you need to work on. And it sounded like he'd peeked into my office to see the clutter. <laughs> so I, I'm going to have to get that in order, Chris. You've just challenged me. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's a lot there's of I've always... been there, trust me. <laughs> there's a lot in what you've said tonight, though, that is so helpful in helping people not only if they're caregivers, but also if you need someone to care for you to be able to look at what the caregiver needs. And if you're capable of doing that, if you have enough intellect or being able to understand another person to see that they may need more rest, they may need to stop and eat on a regular time instead of just whenever they can get a bite and keep going to serve you. And these are challenges that people truly have in life. I do have a site out there, um, and I just want to mention the book that I have is called It Takes Courage to Be a Caregiver. I know it does. I lived it. I have interviewed many people, and I know that the courage that other people have found in their lives can help you just understand if you're caring for a child to your spouse, maybe it's PTSD, maybe it's a wounded warrior, maybe they've gotten a terminal illness, or if it's caring for your parents, because we all are looking down the road now and saying that as baby boomers live longer, we're going to need to, you know, step up to the plate, be able to help our parents to be able to live as long as they can and help them in any way that we can. But like, Chris, like you mentioned at the first of this show, you talked about how you were angry for so long with your dad not there, but you realized before he passed away that you needed to get that straight. And I would challenge anyone, if you've got a bad relationship with someone, try to get that solved, get that relationship repaired so that they don't pass away and you live with a lot of guilt and regret that you could have patched it up, but you chose to just live in that space of hating. Uh, it's it's going to ruin your health if you do. That's part of that spiritual part of our lives that we've got to have that worked out too. Wouldn't you agree with that, Chris? Absolutely. 
Well, it's, it's a challenge for any of us to really recognize the challenges that we face personally. It's easy to look at someone else and see things, but it's harder for us to really look inside of our own spiritual lives, our own environmental, if you want to say, you know, we do need to look at those things because the environment does have a, a very big impact on us. And the emotional wellness that we need in order to really survive in a great, healthy way in this world. I do want to mention that next week we will be back on here. And if you've noticed, the site that you go to has changed. And so you you want to be sure you go look at boldbravemedia.com. You can listen to this program on TuneIn Radio. You can listen to it on boldbravemedia.com and go to shows, and you'll find courage to overcome in there. There are now 85 shows, and we've talked about many different topics, autism, cerebral palsy, Alzheimer's, dementia, PTSD, strokes, ALS. We've talked about a lot of different issues that can affect our lives. And the better that you can understand what you're dealing with and seek out information and knowledge about what you're facing, the better you can deal with that situation. And I always try to help people understand that you may not be able to change many things in your lives. You don't want to live in the past, and you can't live in the future. You've got to learn how to live, like Dale Carnegie says, in daytime compartments. But when you do that, to also realize that it's up to you to seek out the knowledge that you need to deal with that issue and then to know that your attitude may be the only thing that you can change, but you do have the possibility of becoming a better person or a better person, and the choice is yours. We'll look forward to talking with you next week. Invite your friends to listen. Thank you, Chris, for being part of our show, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Courage to Overcome with your host, Cheryl Jennings. Be it Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, or autism. Listen each week for an informative look into the lives of those challenged by these and other disabilities today on the next episode of Cheryl Jennings' Courage to Overcome. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.